This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Good evening. This is The Twilight Show with me, Seb Ventura. On today's show, we're going to be talking about how hard it is to teach subjects other than your specialism. This is quite common in secondary schools, and I want to know from you how easy is it to adapt your teaching and get those subject knowledge gaps filled. Join me today in the studio on Podbean through the website, through Twitter, join the conversation. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody. It is The Twilight Show. I'm still getting used to this concept that I'm no longer on the drive home. So uh, bear with me if I might mistakenly say The Drive Home Show. I hope you can hear me loud and clear. Please let me know if you can't. Um, And yeah, get in touch as usual. So you can text, uh, join the chat box and send me a text. Uh, You can, if you're listening through Podbean, just click the call in button. Uh, If you want to join in and offer your opinion, on any of the stuff we're going to be talking about today. Um, Or, of course, you can just listen in at your leisure. But we are an interactive uh, show. Um, This will be a podcast when we are finished. But at the moment, we are live from London. It's a beautiful, uh, sunny June evening as we approach the uh, longest day of the year, which I think is in a few days' time. Uh, And we're having some lovely sunshine down here in London today. And I hope you are enjoying it. I hope you've had a good day in the classroom or out of the classroom, wherever you may be today, uh, wherever you are in the world, because we do have a lot of global listeners on Teacher Talk Radio. So welcome to everybody uh, who is tuning in today. So as I say, this is the new slot for me, the Twilight Show. Uh, I knew I said the Twilight Zone then. It's not quite the Twilight Zone, the Twilight Show. Um, I've only done a couple of these since I've moved from the afternoon slot, but I'm hoping to have lots more uh, people joining me today. Um, And on top of that, I haven't been around for a couple of weeks, so you may have noticed uh, my absence, and that is because I haven't been anywhere particularly exciting, Uh, but my lovely colleague, Rebecca Ricketts, uh, who I share the Monday slot with, uh, she has been doing a couple of the shows, uh, which we alternate, and then she had some great guests lined up last week, so it was supposed to be my turn, but I think Rebecca uh, just took that slot. So big shout out to Rebecca and thank you from her, from from me for covering me there. So welcome to everybody today. What are we going to chat about today? Well, this all came about really, uh, this topic from uh, when I realised that I would, the guest that I was going to get on, this was uh, her kind of deal. And I thought, actually, let me build my show around this because since I decided to do this show about teaching out of your specialism, there's been a big, big uh, furore on the Twitter about um, started, I think mainly by Teach Talk Radio, but other people have joined in about whether or not teachers should have degrees or not. So that's another big debate we can have on this show if you want to call in and argue that out. Um, but it's something that we have posed on Teach Talk Radio. Um, and I'll talk about that in a moment. But the main thing we're going to be looking at today is the key question for the, and I'll put this in the chat, is how hard is it to teach other subjects than your specialism? So the first sort of caveat for this is the fact that this is mostly aimed at secondary school teachers. 
although I will talk about primaries in a moment. Uh, but yeah, mostly for uh, secondary schools, um, it's quite common that a lot of teachers may well have to pick up a few hours that are not their degree subject. Now, this this will not probably be the case if you teach maths or you teach English uh, or you teach uh, science. Core subjects, very, very rare that this happens. If you are a PE teacher, a drama teacher, uh, a more uh, a food tech teacher, you may have a, a bit more of a, a niche subject. Um, even if you're a psychology teacher, which is a very, very popular subject at A-level, I think it's second most popular, actually. Um, there may well not be enough hours in your school for you to uh, teach all your hours in your subject. And obviously, you need to be paid to work your week. So what is quite commonplace in secondary school is that teachers end up filling up their timetable as the school sees fit, um, based on what the school needs, what the SLT requires, uh, and what the school, or the needs of the children. And then if you've got a few hours short in history or wherever that shortfall is, somebody has to pick that up. Now, what I firstly need to know from, from you guys is, is this as common as I think? Or is this something that is not maybe as common as, in my opinion, it is? I've got a feeling it is, depending on what subject you teach. But generally, I think if you teach a subject that there's not enough hours for, you are normally asked to maybe fill in. That could just be that leadership, people on leadership have to do that. I know I've been in a position as an assistant head where I was asked to fill in a gap uh, where we had a, a need for a couple of hours of French. And because I had A-level French, uh, this was seen as a, a not too big an ask. And it actually was much, much more tricky than I realised it would be, even though it was only year seven and eight French. Um, so that's happened. But that was something I had to do in a way because I was asked as a member of the leadership team to step up and to fill in a gap. And I didn't really have a lot of choice in that area. Whereas my guest today, who will be on in a little while, uh, she is much more at the beginning of her career, but is a PE teacher. And obviously at the school she's at, there wasn't the full hours for her to be able to teach uh, PE for every single hour of the day. And she's been asked to cover some other subjects. It actually may be that isn't the reason. It may be that she we wanted to do that or they approached her. But we'll find out when I speak to my guest Tara later on. So the first thing is how common this happens in secondary schools. And when I posted this on Twitter, quite a few a few primary school people responded. Our very own Nathan, one of the uh, hosts on Teach Talk Radio, he actually responded and said that, you know, that is what primary school teachers kind of really do, is that they go in and they teach, you know, three or four or five subjects in a day. And obviously they can't have degrees in all of them. So quite often they're teaching way out of their comfort zone. And there's a need for them to gen up and to learn and be learning about what they're teaching the kids. Because None of us really want to teach lessons on topics that we don't know anything about. But for some of us, it's a long time since we've been at school and the curriculum has changed a lot, certainly since when I was at school. But the curriculum uh, in certain subjects, particularly science, etc., is, you know, often being updated and changed. Um, or it could just be you're teaching English and as a set text. You've never, never read that book, never don't know the author. There's too much subject knowledge, basically, for you to have encountered it before. So the primary uh, angle is very different because I think by definition they kind of do that. But I really want to focus on 
uh, secondary teachers, if I may. But if you are a primary school teacher, please call in. I'll be happy to hear from what your, your comments. But from a secondary point of view, the generic, the general pattern is you get a degree in your subject uh, and then you may be asked to teach a few hours out of your subject. Now, this isn't to say that your whole timetable is going to be filled with that because that would be ridiculous. But it may be that, you know, the school asked you to do that and you say, yeah, OK, I, I can do it. Now, what I'm interested in today, what we're going to talk about with my guest Tara in a little while is some of the challenges that this makes you know, some of the challenges that we face. So when I taught French, for example, I had A-level French, but first of all, I had to find out the curriculum for year seven and what actually they needed to know. Then there were some lesson plans there already, but they were kind of sketchy ones, half done. So I obviously still had to plan the lesson for what I was going to deliver. And then in the areas that I felt confident in, for example, I don't know, food and drink, I was able to kind of be more relaxed in those lessons and kind of confident to go off task and to kind of really kind of get into the, the you know, the, the lesson. Whereas the other topic areas where I, I felt rusty um, and I didn't know the vocab, I felt a bit of a fraud. Now, I know MFL is a very, very extreme case because if you don't know the language, you can't really teach it. Um, but let's just take another subject. Let's imagine that I had to teach English. As a drama teacher, you would think, that's straightforward again, but not always, because this is where we get into the crux of my debate today. I really do believe that as subject knowledge specialists, we are so, so skilled and we have so much expertise that that's why we are good at our job. That's why we like teaching, because we like to you know, enable our students to learn. But if you are doing that in a subject, A, which may not be your passion, uh, although people may say, well, teaching should be your passion. I, I still feel like drama is my passion in the classroom. First of all, you've got a motivational aspect to it, to get into it. And secondly, if you don't have that expertise, are you kind of just being a glorified cover teacher? That's my argument. I'm going to drop that bomb there. Are you just a cover teacher? I don't mean that in any disrespectful way, of course, to cover teachers. But are you someone who is um, delivering that, almost babysitting those students and doing it? Or are you able to teach out of your subject specialism with the same level of confidence, results and progress as you would be? And that is the question I'm going to ask Tara, um, who's my guest, who's coming on around half past six. But until we speak to Tara, I want to just get um, get your guys' opinions on this. So we know why this happens. We know this happens because of timetabling, because of staffing. We get that. First of all, we have the debate about whether you your degree, what your degree is in, because you might have a degree in, I don't know, obscure American film literature, for example. That doesn't that probably means you're completely able to teach English. Uh, but would that enable you to teach media or would that be a, a difficult step? Um, would you be able to teach philosophy because you might have encountered that in your literature course? I don't know. But this is the point I'm trying to make. And the argument that's been on Twitter over the last few days um, has been about should teachers have a degree? And we're sort of going off on, off on one here, but this is relevant to this topic today. Because if you believe that your degree is what should drive your teaching, that is great. And that is that's fair enough. But someone once said to me when I've been teaching for about five years, they said, you do realise you only went to university for three years and you've been teaching for five. 
And actually, if you add the hours up, how many hours do we do in a degree over three years? Not that many if you add them up compared to teaching five period days, four or five days a week. It's very quick. You can see that within a few years of being in the classroom, actually, I think it might have even been Dylan Williams that said this on a course I went to, that you can actually see quite quickly that you are no longer, well, you are still the expert in your subject, but the point I'm trying to make is you have done more hours in the classroom teaching than you have in the, in the university studying your subject. And of course, you're teaching your subject. I get that. But what I'm trying to say is that actually, do we become more skilled as classroom practitioners than we are subject specialists? Now, that's the that's the question I'm going to go. And that's why I think uh, with the primary angle, and I see Nathan's joining us there. With the primary angle, I guess that's the argument because you're teaching all day a variety of subjects. But as you get better and better and you become more experienced, you're just better at teaching full stop. You're better at behavior management. You're better at dealing with the classroom. You're better at um, routines, expectations, uh, activities that you can do that could probably transcend subject. So that's where you get skilled. But I still believe that at secondary level, and this is just my opinion, so please, you know, cut in or phone in or text in if you disagree, that your degree, your subject knowledge allows you your expertise to be a confident and a fluent teacher that is able to really explicitly explain and model and really get into uh, the crux of what you are trying to teach the students. And this is why I think the argument about the degree is an interesting one, because I, I don't think people without degrees should never be allowed to teach. I think there's an argument that for certain vocational subjects or more practical subjects, it might not be as necessary, but that's another controversial point. Uh, it could be that those people who haven't got degrees uh, train on the job and learn the skills of teaching as well as, you know, their subject knowledge. So it's a bit of a controversial one, but an actual fact on the survey that we did on Teach Talk Radio of around 700 people, I think, there was 76% who said teachers should have a degree uh, in their, you know, a degree to teach, not necessarily in their subject, but they should have a degree. And that is still obviously 25 odd percent of people who don't agree. But you could see there was a lot of people arguing for that. But anyway, that's kind of a separate issue. That's kind of a separate show. Um, what I want to get into the nitty gritty is today is if I've been teaching for 20 years, which I have, does this mean I should be able to teach any subject? And my argument is no, because as I've said, I may well be able to manage a classroom, but my questioning skills, my nuance my level of challenge, I could potentially take some of the, let's say, the lower ability students or the middle of it, I could probably take three quarters of my class and probably get them through a course. But am I really stretching every student's thinking and knowledge if I don't have a background? I'll give you an example. So I taught media for a year and I think I did pretty well. Most of my students uh, got their target grades. I did OK. I had a good uh, had a department who was strong. And that massively helped, which is something we'll go on to in a moment. But, you know, there was a lot of crossover with drama. Of course there was. But there was still technical jargon I didn't know. There was still the lots of details about directors, how they film, use of uh, cameras. I, I love I love films. I've always loved films. It doesn't mean I've got the, all the knowledge of every camera angle. I didn't know what a dolly grip was. I didn't know what a, a focus pull was like you see in Jaws. 
I know what it is now because I taught it. But I had to do my homework. And so I think what my argument would be is that you can teach it without the degree, but does it just, does it just mean you have to do more planning? Because I think for me, I could teach a drama lesson tomorrow without a real plan because I've been doing it a long, long time. But if I had to teach, when I had to teach history for a year, only a couple of hours a week again, I had to gen up because I thought, oh, I'm good at history. I like history, but obviously I'm not as a 40 something year old person. I'm not in touch with the curriculum of year seven history. So I had to gen up, had to find out what they were studying, had to find out what they should be expected to do with that knowledge, how they're expected to work with sources, what kind of example essays or sentences and paragraphs should they be producing. So that was a massive, massive ask uh, for me. And even though I was a very experienced teacher, I was on the leadership team, and people see this as a really, really easy one. Oh, yeah, he's good. He's, he's, he's a strong teacher. He can do it. But I think it undermines the, the, the knowledge that you need to teach your subject with confidence. So there was another guy who was in the department who wasn't the head of the department, but he was another history teacher. And I'd go and watch him teach the same lesson. And we both had the same lessons that were on the um, teacher's resources that we download and all the printouts. So they were kind of done. They were half planned and you just had to kind of tweak them. And I'd go and watch him teach the same lesson I taught. And it was just streets ahead, as you'd expect. He's a historian. He's been teaching a long, long time. He could probably do it with his eyes closed. Whereas for me, everything was a struggle. Every little thing I had to second guess. Every question the kids asked me, I was like, oh, yeah, that's a good question. Not sure. I'll have to check. And I just didn't feel confident to do it. But again, there is an argument. If you stay ahead of the kids, it shouldn't really matter. So if I'm doing a year eight lesson on, well, this, in fact, I had to teach British Empire. As long as I was reading ahead by a couple of lessons in the scheme and I knew what was coming and I did my homework and I planned my lesson and I read up on it so I understood it, then I should have been able to do it. But I just think teaching is more than that. I think we do ourselves a disservice if we think all we do is deliver plans, um, particularly if they're made by the people. I don't think you can really teach, in my opinion, very, very well if you're just picking up someone's lesson plan. But anyway, it's an argument, isn't it, we could have. So please send a message or call in if you disagree, if you think you're happy to teach other people's lessons. Because if you are, then, you know, go and teach my year eight drama tomorrow. Here's the lesson plan. Go away and do it and see how hard it actually is to do when you are not the subject specialist or when you haven't planned that lesson yourself or you haven't got the background knowledge to fall fall back on so just to recap if you've just joined us a few people joining us late well uh well done for joining us um we uh nice to have you with us on the twilight show and um, what we're looking at today i'm just going to pop back on my notes so excuse a little bit of flapping noise um how hard is it to teach other subjects than your specialism how common is this in secondaries? And how easy is it to adapt your teaching and fill in the subject knowledge gaps? Okay, so this is what I'm asking you. How well, how much do you think the kids suffer being taught by a non-specialist? That's another question. They maybe don't suffer. Maybe they have a great lesson and maybe you're a brilliant teacher and you really inspire them and you ask some good questions. 
but is the quality of the work they do and they produce and is their thinking and the learning that they're doing is that at the level it will be if it was taught by a specialist this is my argument anyway so my guest today is tara she's going to be on not yet just yet but in a little about 10 minutes and just to give you a bit of background about tara she is a pe teacher by trade she's not been teaching very long uh and in the school that she is currently at she is teaching pe but on on the side she's also teaching health and social care and character and culture so health and social care you can kind of see there's a link there with pe you think well it's not too much of a a, a bridge to ask her to do that probably a lot of the um parts of the content of the curriculum about health will overlap with her pe knowledge not a big deal she also has to teach character and culture so i would imagine and we'll find out when we speak to her in a little while that some of that is given to her maybe their schemes of work that are written or planned or done by someone else and she has to pick them up off the peg and just deliver them from scratch but, but they're already planned i would hope so she hasn't got to necessarily go away and do the research and plan it which would be unfair however i would argue she still needs to get her head around it before she can stand in front of a group of year nine and, and start talking about british values or whatever it is but we're going to find that out in a little while and then next year she's teaching psychology which again there may be some links there uh but we'll find out and we'll find out why she's doing that uh when we speak to her in a little while so we are just talking today about teaching subjects that are not either your degree or it might not be your degree. I know a brilliant a maths teacher that I used to work with, Joe, I'll give him a shout out. Uh, and Joe was a brilliant maths teacher. And when I, I found out once that his degree was actually in geography, and that was a bit of a, a bit of a curveball for me. But he's a brilliant mathematician, a great maths teacher, and he was employed as a maths teacher. And it didn't really matter what his degree was in, uh, because that was, for whatever reason, his interest at the time. But he was degree educated, but it was a very good maths, probably did A-level maths, I expect. And he was a great maths teacher. Um, so that can happen. Um, but for me, I think that if you don't feel comfortable, so I don't think it necessarily matters whether your degree is in the subject. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is if you are confident in a subject area and then you are asked by your school to teach one or two hours extra, in terms of not extra, I mean, within your week, or oh, we're a little bit short in uh, English, uh, you're a history teacher, do you mind, we've got a couple of hours, year seven, do you mind filling them in? And obviously, most people are going to not say no, most people are not going to be able to say no. I mean, you might be able to argue with your head and say no, you might be in a position where they just let you have an extra couple of frees, or you end up having to do cover. And maybe actually, some people might say that's better. I know people who say, do you know what? I'd rather do an hour to two hours cover every week and just be given something to deliver that I know isn't really high stakes than someone say, right, we're going to give you an A class two hours a week. You're responsible for them at the end of the year. You're going to have to because the other implication. Sorry, just to add this, I'm just thinking back now to when I taught history was it wasn't as easy as just to say, OK, well, Seb's good at good at teaching. Uh, he's all right with history, so he'll be OK because at the end of the day i was responsible so when we got to the end of year eight these students had to do assessments and i had to write reports and i had to give grades which is obviously quite normal you i can hear you saying but my point is i'd done this as kind of a bit of, of a, 
a favour. I'd done it to fill a gap. And yes, I planned the lessons and I delivered them to the best of my ability. But the sudden accountability that I was faced with at the end of the year and thinking, well, that student could have done a bit better if my questioning was better, if I challenged her more. Or that young lad, he would have done better if I'd got him to do a bit more writing and a bit more um, argumentative writing in, in class time so that when it came to the assessment, he was more prepared. Because again, it's hard when you don't know what's coming. I think with drama, I know what the end game is. I know what the A-level looks like. I know what the GCSE looks like. So even with a year seven student, teaching them a basic, basic skill, I already know, right, he needs to be able to do this or she needs to be able to do that because it's going to lead to this. And it also enables me to have those conversations. If I'm teaching year eight history, not really knowing anything that's on the spec of GCSE available, can I really have those conversations or not? Anyway, it's controversial, but we'll find out more in a moment. We're going to have a quick news break. And after the news and adverts, um, we'll be speaking to Tara and she's going to tell us all about uh, how she deals with all this. Tara, if you want to just give me a call back in a moment after the news, that'd be fab. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.withaslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Imagine a world where you were free to focus on sparking curiosity in your students and giving them access to the awe and wonder of learning. A world where you were supported to deliver a truly personalised education to help all your learners achieve their potential. No need to imagine it, because that's exactly what the Oxford Smart Curriculum Service delivers. Seamlessly integrating curriculum, resources, assessment, next steps and professional development, every component of Oxford Smart is connected and working to provide you with a uniquely coherent and responsive service that empowers you and your students with transformational effect. The Oxford Smart Curriculum Service. When everything connects, anything is possible. SteveWoods.co.uk for educational support in IT and computer science. Coming up, I'm delivering a number of courses. Learn to program in Python is a free one-hour course designed to start you on your way into Python coding. Everything works in a browser, so there's nothing to install beforehand. Join me remotely to learn the basics on Wednesday the 8th of June, 4 o'clock to 5 o'clock. Visit SteveWoods.co.uk to start your journey. Are you a state school teacher in England? Why not be a hero this half-term and join me for two days and receive up to 1,360 pounds in bursary. Terms and conditions apply. Find out more at stevewoods.co.uk. Here at Witherslack Group, we are celebrating the launch of our new Luxborough Court School in Chickwell, Essex, with a very special one-day autism conference titled Enabling Inspirational Education. Taking place on Wednesday the 29th of June from 10am at Luxborough Court School, our event is dedicated to providing practical advice to education professionals working with neurodiverse children and young people. 
The event is free to attend and presentations on the day will focus on creating cultures of aspiration and excellence, supporting the emotional well-being of pupils, autism-friendly classrooms and managing challenging behaviour. So, whether you're looking to add to your extensive understanding or are new to SEN and wanting to build your knowledge, our conference will offer an amazing opportunity to engage with experts and network with colleagues from across the sector. Don't miss your chance to claim your free ticket and we hope you can join us for what's sure to be a fantastic day. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash events to register or contact events at withaslackgroup.co.uk for more information. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. The Mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, has called for all pupils in primary schools to receive free school meals. He wants an urgent expansion of the scheme to include all students in years 3, 4 and 5, regardless of household income. He said, free school meals were something my family relied upon, and every child in London deserves that safety net. With the summer holidays on the horizon, it is essential that the government act now to reinstate the meal voucher system to give families dignity and nutritional choice over the summer. This should then be followed by the introduction of universal free school meals for all primary school children from the start of the new school year in September. Multiple London councils are already leading the way on this and showing what can be done if we put the health and well-being of our young people first in such perilous economic times. It is time for the government to step up. Official figures show that inflation reached 9% in April as the cost of food, energy and transport surges and is expected to reach 11% later this year. Polling by YouGov found that 83% of adults in London say their household cost of living has increased over the last six months. The NASUWT Teachers Union is calling for a 12% pay increase for teachers this year and has said it will ballot members in England, Wales and Scotland for industrial action if its demands are not met. Dr Patrick Roach, NAS UWT General Secretary, said Teachers are suffering, not only from the cost of living crisis, which the whole country is grappling with, but 12 years of real terms pay cuts, which has left a 20% shortfall in the value of their salaries. If the government and the pay review body reject a positive programme of restorative pay awards for teachers, then we will be asking our members whether they're prepared to take national industrial action in response. The government wrongly assumed teachers would simply stand by as they erode pay and strip our education system to the bone. But this weekend, thousands of teachers from every corner of the UK joined together to demonstrate our strength, unity and determination to stand up and to fight back. Our message is clear 
and is now being delivered directly to the government on their doorstep. We will not allow cuts to our members' pay and a tax on their pensions. If a pay rise is not awarded, it will be won by our members in workplaces through industrial action. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, in this week's Two Minute Tech, we're going to look at how smart is a smart pen. Smart pens and notebooks are a bit of tech that make your handwritten notes become more useful and more importantly, digitally accessible. There are three main technologies used, app-based, image capture-based and real-time capture. Today is a look at the thinking process you can apply when looking at a new gadget. Obviously, the first decision I always make is not going to be considered. That being, is it a gadget? Yes, then I need it. Throughout this, the trusty spreadsheet will assist to calculate cost. Going as cheap as possible, I found a diary and 10 pens delivered for $5.99. So that is my baseline. If I wanted an academic planner, the baseline would obviously increase. So, what's the next cheapest but digital option? I found a reusable wipe clean diary. This is a few different formats, but a decent one I saw was a calendar template on one side and a line template on the other. Both were wiped clean. You downloaded an app on your phone to take a picture. The app recognized the diary entries and the handwriting and then converted it to digital. There's a lot of different makes on the market, so do compare and read reviews. A guide price would be around £40 and a quick calculation in my spreadsheet says it would take six years to match the cost of a cheap diary. My question there is, will it last that long? Also, at this point, it is worth noting that there are free apps out there that let you do the same with your ordinary diary. So really, the cheapest way to go digital is to use a free app and take a picture of what you already have. If you still want a new gadget, your decision may depend on if you feel a big lump of plastic is more environmentally friendly or you prefer the features of the capture app that's being used over a free one. The final technology is real-time note-taking. Now, when I saw this, I instantly needed one. Then I remembered I type everything or use voice capture for meetings, so I'd never use it. However, that is not a reason not to want one. This more expensive tech uses a special pen and notebook and communicates in real time with an app so you can see what you're writing on screen as well as in the book. Also, like the others, it will recognize handwriting and convert to digital characters to allow pasting into other applications. At £110 for a notepad, the pen and the app, it isn't cheap, taking 18 years to break even. And with the cheapest replacement notebook costing £16 as well, this will actually never break even. In conclusion, I recommend you stick to your diary and find an app you like to capture it. Or if you have a laptop with touchscreen, you probably can do all of this anyway. For me, smart pens are not that smart when it comes to price. You do get what you pay for, though. Do you have a smart pen? Why not get in touch at TT Radio 2022 and follow us and tell us what you want to know about tech? I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Right, thanks to Steve there and obviously Gail with the news and to all our uh, people who help uh, to keep TTR running to our advertisers. Um, Brilliant. So um, we're here now and we're ready and bless Tara, she has tried to call in about three times uh, but didn't realise how long the news was going to be Uh, and I'm hoping now um, that she will be joining us live um, any moment now. She just called in Tara and I lost you somehow there. So just try again. Um, so yeah, Tara is a PE teacher and she's going to talk to us about what she does. Here we go. 
Um, and she should be there now. Tara, are you there? Hiya. Oh, hi, Tara. Sorry about that. I think the news went on slightly longer than we imagined. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> That's good. Right. Just speak up a little bit or a bit closer to the mic. There's no background noise, but you're a bit quiet. No problem. Is That's that good. That's a bit better, yeah. Right, okay, so I've given you a bit of back a bit of background on you, Tara. Um, and I hope I got all that right. You're teaching PE predominantly, aren't you? Yeah, that's right. But yes. this year you're doing health and social care and character and culture. Yeah, both health and social care and character and culture this year, but it might be changing next year. Right. So first of all, tell us how that came about then why because i i made a few presumptions about why that had happened and that was wrong with me uh why is it is there not enough hours for you to teach or is it a, was it a choice yeah so just when i went for my interview i went as a predominant PE teacher and they just said to me in the interview is it possible for you to teach anything out of specialism and i said i'd be happy to try and teach anything out of specialism um i had no second set subject i did do psychology as an a level um However, as long as it's not maths or science, then I don't mind yeah. letting it go. Um, and they said health and social care. And to be honest, like you said earlier, I did think there'd be quite a few crossovers. Um, yeah. As I've gone into teaching it, I've realised there isn't as many crossovers as I thought there would be. Um, however, I have I have still enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, that was really it. It was just I didn't have enough hours in PE and they were requiring staff elsewhere. So that's why I took that on. Good. All right. So I wasn't I was I wasn't inaccurate by saying that. Um, no. And so, no, that's good. And obviously that is a good tip for anyone listening who is going for interviews. I mean, that kind of phase is finished now. But anyone looking for jobs next year, that that question may well be asked of you. Um, and it's how willing you are to do that, I guess. Yeah. Um, because some people might say no and then not get the job. Yeah, I'd say it's, it is quite common in PE as well. We have quite an excess of PE teachers. And so quite yeah, often yeah. PE is often asked to teach in other subjects as well. Yeah, I think that's the same with drama. I think basically, I think if you're in a subject like maths or science, because it's shortage, I just don't think it happens because they're desperate for those teachers. I think that's probably what it boils down to. So yeah. um, so roughly how many hours do you teach that are non-PE, Tara, on, an, on a week, on an average week? Oh, that's a very good question. I have about four hours of character and culture on, or maybe more, maybe about six hours of character and culture one week and on the other, and then about three hours of health and social care for the year 10s each week and approximately five lessons of um health and social care for the year 12 each week right so you thought that's quite, and i think that's pretty good of you to be honest because what i was referring to earlier in my experience was always okay let's give you a little bit of key stage three because it's not as accountable but it sounds as if you're doing you know you're doing health and social care to year 10 and year 12 isn't that a bit yeah. daunting yeah it was quite daunting um I didn't have too much time to prepare. We got our timetables fairly late. And so I wasn't really aware of what ones I was going to be teaching. Um, but to be fair, I've really enjoyed the year 12s um, and all the sixth form work. It's There's quite a lot of crossovers to things I already know. And it's really yeah. nice being able to, they've done an exam recently, so trying out revision strategies and things like that. I really do think it's pushed me in my teaching abilities, which is nice. Um, right, but it was yeah. quite, yeah, quite challenging. 
No, that's good. I think we're gonna we're definitely gonna go into that in a bit more detail in a moment about your skills and the challenges of it. Um, but before we go into that, I'm just interested in what you said there about um, that because you had a lot of personal knowledge already. So when you talk about doing psychology because you've done an A level, do you think if you've got a lot of personal knowledge in that topic, do you think it makes obviously it makes it easier? But do you think it's essential or not? Um. I wouldn't say essential as such. I'd say for the um, year group, so like the sixth formers, having that knowledge is quite important because they're way more likely to ask questions. I've been in yeah. situ situations before where because it's a BTEC, we have several um, different topics and there's one other teacher that teaches it with me. And so sometimes they will ask questions on topics that I don't teach. And I heard you earlier yeah. talking about staying ahead of them. And I like yeah. to stay ahead. I do stay ahead in my topic. However, I haven't really looked into the other teachers' topics because I don't really have the time. No. So when they then go and relate it to that, it feels like occasionally that they are more knowledgeable than I am. Um, yeah, of course. But so... I think that's my point. I think you can't, when it is not your subject area, I, I think that is always going to happen. I feel yeah, like, you yeah. know, I feel like if you've got a degree in it or you're an expert, I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I've had year th 13s ask me questions that I've not been able to answer. That does happen. But I just don't think it happens as much, does it? No, that you're eight, no. you're eight, you, Yeah. Especially yeah, these older children, they've chosen to take this subject. They're interested in it. And so they're going to be asking questions. They're going to be curious. So um, I'd say with the younger groups, it's less essential, especially for me. I'm teaching a BTEC. And so it's... Um, quite often assignment based and so they have to do a lot of research for themselves um yeah. and I think with the younger year groups I know year 10 isn't young as such but there's more behavior management it's a bigger class and um, it's a lot of yeah. pushing enthusiasm and trying to get them to write this coursework and things like that so I feel like yeah, no, more that's... general teaching skills with bigger class younger kids do yeah more I, think I definitely would I definitely would agree with that and I think that's what I was referring to earlier that I think the younger they get the more you're looking more at classroom management skills and like you say, motivation to do it as opposed to you need to know all the answers. Yeah, but, but, the, but, the, but the irony is, isn't it, that when they get to sixth form or, you know, older or even on a BTEC course, really, it should be about them anyway. It's, it's not yeah. about us, us having the knowledge, is it? They've no. got to go away and learn it. So I actually think sometimes not being a specialist is actually helpful because it forces you to... Do you know what I mean? It forces yeah, you to true. ask, to put it back on them. The only thing I found with that is what you were talking about, how you went and watched another person teach and you said that theirs was yeah. streaks ahead. And <laughs> I've, I've never seen any other health and social care teachers teach. And so I can't compare. But one thing I do recognise myself doing occasionally is helping too much because I've not been in that situation before. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sometimes I recognise that maybe I'm giving them too much help because I'm thinking, oh, I need to make sure they get good grades yeah. and yeah I don't yeah. know what the standard is and so you have to be careful especially with BTEC rules and things like that and um, with how much help I do provide them yeah of course and I think you're teaching yourself almost aren't you as well because yeah. you know when, when you teach something new if you've just learned it like when I learned about the empire and then I was teaching it I felt like by teaching them I was learning it myself so yeah. you know but you are right that standard and that's what I was alluding to earlier I think that's what's tricky is that you don't know as well as you do in your own subject. I, I could look, go into a room now of, of year eight and tell you, right, that student is at this kind of grade, national average. You know, I'd be able to do that because I've been doing it for a while, but because I know my subject, whereas 
you know, that that's the thing when you're not teaching something, you don't know what the standard is, you don't know how to, you know, necessarily push them or help yeah. them. It's tricky, isn't it? Yeah, it is, yeah. So with character and culture, did you, I made this presumption as well, did you get given those schemes? You've not been asked to go away and write lessons about character and culture, have you? No, so there's a head of character and culture and she sets what kind of um, lessons we're meant to do each term and there's a scheme of work to follow. And quite often what will happen is she will say there are, I don't know, seven teachers that teach it and she will give us each one lesson to plan. Um, yeah. And that works really nicely. Um, the only thing I have is that my strength, along with my downfall, is the fact that I'm a massive perfectionist. And so even if someone has done the work for me, I will quite often adapt it and I will yeah. spend a lot of time redoing it because I, I guess every teacher teaches differently. I quite like to do things like um, the retrieval tasks at the start of my lesson. I like to give them physically yeah. as they walk through the door on paper. I find that it settles them better, whereas not everyone yeah. likes that. And no, kind sure. Of, kind of tasks you do vary from teacher to teacher so I do spend a fair amount of time adapting and making resources just because it fits my brain and what I want and I like everything to look the same each lesson I teach in terms of the slides and things like that so no, but I think that is what you've just said though yes it is a, a reflection of your personality but I do I do actually think also that is good practice because ultimately if you get a lesson off the shelf and this is what I always say to people if you get given a lesson or you download a lesson uh from the tears or from wherever you've still got to plan it you know and, yeah. and I think people think that oh I'll get that lesson or someone will send me a powerpoint and I know people do this and I know it's to do with time I get that but for me I could never do that I could find it difficult to do that as well just to take something and just because you've got to get your head around it haven't I you, you've got to look yeah. at the lesson and think well what does that mean and how am I going to do that logistically you know most definitely 100% the problem is is that because you're being really diligent that's helping you when I taught history my problem was I'd been teaching a long time I was very busy and it was like an add-on and so I would sometimes think oh it's fine the lesson's there I'll do it and then I'd come to deliver it and be like oh no I can't you yeah, know, so yeah. I think you're right to do to you know, you're you're really putting a lot of effort in in terms of the way you want to teach it, but I think that's why then you're gonna get the rewards, which is great. I think good good practice. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's just um I've got I sent you a few questions. So I just want to go through that so I make sure I don't miss anything out. Um so you've kind of talked about this a bit, what you liked about it, but what what's been the real challenge of character and culture, for example? What's been tricky about it? Um, for character and culture, I'd say the good thing is it is quite a lot of common sense. And so um, it's doing things that I explain it to my year sevens at parents evening and to their parents as it's the kind of subject that when a when as an adult, you come back from school and you say, oh, I wish I'd been taught that in school. It's all yeah. kind of those kind of common sense things like banking and things like that. And so actually going through adult life, you do. I haven't had to teach myself it as I have for things like health and social care it is kind of knowledge that is already there um I would yeah. say actually the challenges is more seeing kids in a different light in terms of behavior obviously I've not a classroom teacher at heart I yeah. teach PE and so sure it is a very different type of teaching and seeing kids in a different way I think with it's made me kind of realize actually I'm quite fortunate in PE with if a child is not trying their best or if they're struggling you can visually see that quite um 
easily whereas in a classroom um quite often you get quite passive learners and they'll sit there and they look like they're doing the right thing but actually it's the challenge of are they actually listening and are they actually learning and that's not really something I had had to think about until I started teaching character and culture especially with the younger ones with the older ones when they're doing their b-techs and their coursework they ask questions and they won't produce the work that I need in terms of assignments but with the younger ones they might sit there and listen but not understand it so getting those questioning techniques in and things like that has really challenged me with my teaching but I do think it has made me a better teacher oh there's no there's no doubt it's made you a better teacher because I think again that the similarities if we were talking about an English teacher that was having to teach history say then that is a classroom teacher who's used to doing lots of writing and lots of you know long essays having to do the same thing but they would just need to have the subject knowledge I think for you and me, for to PE and drama, I, I feel exactly what you just said. I totally agree that when I had to teach media studies, which was the first classroom based subject I'd had to teach as a drama teacher, it was completely different because, you know, like you say, the two things, resources is one, you know, yeah. because you, you can go out in the field, you know, with your, with your bag of, uh, you know, rounders or whatever, and you can just get on with it. And the same with drama, but suddenly I had to have so much photocopying and yeah, scissors, very prepared. <laughs> print sticks, worksheet, you know, and it is just, you know, because you're kind of keeping the kids busy, aren't you? And they're doing stuff and then you've got to have yeah. their books. And so that was one thing I found. But I think the second thing is really interesting what you're saying. You can tell that you're a new teacher because you're so on it in terms of retrieval practice, but also, you know, what they're learning. Because you, like you say, in drama and with PE, you can see, I can see straight away someone who's not getting it. Yeah, but you can't, yeah. you, but the whole reason people have really got into, you know, become, you know, much more pos- common places, AFL and much more common places, you know, people using whiteboards and stuff, is because you can't see, can you? How do you know? No. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's, a, that's a big challenge in itself, isn't it? That you've got to, but that's what we're feeling. But I suspect, you know, norm, people who te- have always taught in classrooms, they're probably just more used to, I don't know, monitoring or going around, or they've probably just got more strategies than we have, I guess. Yeah, do, you feel like yeah. you're, you, do you feel like you're building those strategies up from doing this classroom teaching? Yeah, I really do think I have built it up and it's been a big challenge, but I have enjoyed it and I'm looking forward to then carrying that on now, now that I've had that experience. And it's quite nice to see kids in a different light as well. I think with PE, um, a lot of kids either have this pre-assumption that they don't like it or they absolutely love it. Whereas in the classroom, you see a really different side to some pupils as well, which is really lovely. so yeah I do think I have built up a little skill set and little um things that I will take forward if I teach in classrooms in other environments as well um which is really nice yes because I was going to say because surely in PE you you will have to do maybe PE theory lessons at some point and if you'd if you'd not done this this year in the classroom let's say it would have been harder for you wouldn't it to go from doing practical 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 suddenly you've got to do a, a theory lesson for year 10 and it would have been a nightmare, wouldn't it? Yeah, you, and you... as yeah, as you say, it's not even massively the teaching. Sometimes it's the little things like not having a classroom myself, having to yeah. run to the classroom, make sure I've logged yeah. into the computer before I let them in, and it's all logistical things like that that you don't think of until you've done it. So I it's all right. about absolutely experience, yeah. putting the work in, as you said earlier. 
Yeah, but and I think, but I think that is the key. I think planning is massively part of it, and putting the hours in, and not thinking that you can just magically take it off a off a off a you know uh, a printout or a, or a website. And um, and then, like you say, the second thing is just experience. And and you are the hundred percent. I would say, even though I've never seen you teach, I would say you're hundred percent a better teacher because you've had to adapt and you've learned more about what students learn you know, and, and managing yeah. relationships and all sorts of things that you'll have been exposed to, which you're fortunate really, because if you, st- if you, if they'd had enough hours for you to teach PE, you know, at your school, then you may have taught PE for two, three, four or longer and never, ever had to learn these skills. Yeah, that is true. That is very so, true. So I think it's that's, like I think that. that's, no, I think you are. And I think that will help you. It might've been a bit annoying at first or, you know, it's a bit tricky having to maybe do extra stuff that, because it is extra, isn't it? I mean, I was going to ask you that in terms of if you were teaching PE every week, every day, sorry, then you, you, you're you definitely putting more hours in, aren't you, do you think, or not? Yeah, definitely. I think it has taken quite a lot of attention and a lot of effort into making my lessons what they are. Um, and I do think it does take, that's one of the my downfalls as such, does take time out of the time that I can plan my PE lessons because yeah, I yeah. spend time... At, in the evenings or in the mornings thinking about health and social care or character and culture rather than yeah. my PE because I know that I can fall back on PE and I know I have this bank of lessons in my head from my four years at uni where I yeah. can teach these without as much planning so yeah but that, that but that's what I'm saying I, yeah I think you're right I think as long as you you know you're you don't mind that and you're happy with that it's not a problem but I I do agree I think you know, for me, it was probably harder because I've been teaching drama for so long. And then I had all these lessons that I could just, you know, just keep doing without having to even really think about it. And then suddenly to have to do lots and lots of extra planning was a, you know, was suddenly an extra, an increase. Whereas for you, you're kind of used to it, I suppose, yeah, because, yeah, because it's early. But also I think your PE teaching, because that this is my point of the show today, and th- this is what I've been talking about. If anyone else wants to Join me after I um, after Tara leaves us, or send us a message about this topic. Is how you know your subject knowledge, your degree, it, it enables you to be able to teach comfortably. Do you know what I mean? And you don't. I'm not saying you don't plan it. Of course, you still have to plan your lesson. But like you said a minute ago, you probably got a bank of activities and warm ups and whatever it is in your mind from doing it yourself, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And we did a lot of training on it at uni for four years where they made us teach it and they taught it to us. And so it's been ingrained in my brain for so long that you can rely on that, which is handy. It is handy. Is there not any sports that there suddenly might come out that you're like, oh, I don't know that? (laughs) Oh, yeah, there is. Most definitely. I come from a gymnastics, dance, trampoline and athletics kind of background. A lot of individual sports. Um, And so as much as I've done lots of team sports, I've grown up um, they're not what I hold my expertise in. And so if you if I had to teach something like hockey, for example, that's something we didn't really do at university because it's more of a um not dying sport but it's less taught in schools in comparison to something like netball and so if I was to teach hockey now I would have to go away and do far more planning than what I have to do with my round today for example (laughs) yeah I mean or cricket for example would you feel confident to teach a cricket lesson um yeah I somewhat we did I did a training in a school nearby um and they had a really big cricket specialism and so I learned a lot through my training with them 
Oh, that's it, good. Then. It is yeah. similar in the fact that, yeah, I haven't taught it and I don't have as much personal experience in it. And so it would be harder to teach that than it would be something like netball that I teach frequently. All the time. But don't you think, though, still, this is my argument, is that let's say tomorrow you had to teach a hockey lesson, right? And you know the basics, but you, you think, right, I need to freshen up, right? So you're yeah. going to teach it tomorrow. And you might go away and think, right, okay, I just need to refresh myself of the rules or how, how you do a, you know, they do those funny penalties, don't they? Do that run, run in and they give, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. don't they? Give, yeah. So anyway, so <laughs> you, you, you go away and you do that, but really it's a, probably a 10 minute, a short brush up because then when you go back into your, onto the field or wherever you're going, the rest of the stuff still applies, doesn't it? Getting them lined yeah. up, getting them changed. Uh, all those other things, instructions, that they're all going to be the same. So it's just yeah. you doing a brush up. Whereas if I said to you, right, tomorrow you've got to teach, I don't know, um, something about tax to year eight for character and culture. And it was a whole topic on tax and, you know, national insurance that you didn't know anything about. You're going to have to put yeah. more time in, aren't you? Yeah, it would take significantly longer. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, good. Right. So I think you've, you've been an absolute superstar and you've um, you really helped us out with our debate. So I just want to end uh, before I let you go. Um, you, you've said you definitely think it's improved your teaching skills in general. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to finish with saying, do you think that your subject knowledge is is that more important or less important than just generic classroom skills? Um. I would say for the majority of the teaching that I do, um, being BTEC or Key Stage 3 for the year 10s mm. and lower, I would say general classroom skills come into play more well, frequently. Yeah. Um, but I think personally that's because of the curriculums that I'm teaching. If I was teaching a GCSE rather than a BTEC or an A-level, yeah. Um, yeah. it might be slightly different because that's what I found obviously with the older year groups I've said. Um, yeah. And so I do, I think they both do come into play. And I think, as you said before, that if I had that subject knowledge, I would be able to expand upon things better. And maybe if I want, went to watch other teachers teaching the subjects that I'm teaching now, I'd probably realise more that actually my subject knowledge is lacking in certain areas. And so yeah. I'd say I'd put myself at the moment as general classroom skills being most important for the younger half of the year yeah. groups but yeah yes i do think it would be beneficial to have that subject knowledge as well yeah. i do think i think if so. i if i could i would like to increase it more if i wasn't changing subjects that was yeah of course and i think and that probably answers why we what we said about the primary school teachers because you know if you keep going down in terms of age then that's probably why for them it is more about classroom management because they're teaching five or six subjects you know yeah. and actually when you get to year 13 or beyond uh you need to know what you're talking about don't you really to, yeah to yeah. to actually and it's not then really about behavior because you can have a smaller class and they should want to be there etc um okay well that's really good that's been really interesting to talk to you and, and great to hear your enthusiasm we love how long is this your are you ect now plus yeah. one or um, ECT and I'm in my first year, so it'll be my second year next year. So your second year and you're still, and you're doing that and you're still taking on all these subjects that aren't your specialism. So that is brilliant. So <laughs> that, it's all going to make you better and better. And are you doing psychology next year, did you say? Yeah, because that's, we had an advertisement at the school for a health and social care and psychology teacher. And I realised that actually I have no 
uh, qualifications in health and social care, but I'm sitting on an A or yeah. A star in psychology A level. So oh, I right. just Clever. put myself yeah. forward saying I'm maybe better fit suiting like to teach that. And then yeah. they would only have to advertise for one health and social care role. So I put myself yeah. forward for it. And I'm looking forward to the challenge. It's an A-level rather than a B-tech. So it's going to be slightly different. But in terms of the type of person I am, I'm looking forward to having a bit more creativity over lessons. With B-tech, it's a lot of assignments and typing yeah, on no, the computer. Yeah. And yeah, I like doing that, fun, creative things. So I'm really, really looking I think, forward to it. Um, I think you're right with that. I think the B-tech, it, it is a... Uh, not to slate BTEC, but it is a lot more pressure on you in terms of that. But I know some really good psychology teachers, so I could A level psychology teachers, so I can put you in touch with them. Um, they can help That'd you be out. Amazing. With, Thank with you. Some, <laughs> with some resources. But anyway, thanks very much for joining <laughs> us and giving up your time on this sunny evening. Um, have a lovely week and thanks for joining no us, problem. Tara. Thank you very Take much. Care. You're welcome. Bye. Take care. Bye. Right. Um, and so that was uh, Tara. And I have to say thank you again to her, uh, someone who's obviously fresh into her teaching career, uh, full of enthusiasm and ideas and willingness to learn, which is lovely, lovely to hear, especially when an old codger like me that's been doing it a long time. Uh, but um, also just fair play to her, really. She's taken on two subjects that isn't what she she trained in. She's now taken on another one that she's got an A-level in, uh, even though... Um, she's you know feels confident in that it, it's still a big step up to teach that um from from not ever teaching it before certainly a level psychology i know is, is hard work so um brilliant that is so that is tara so what we want to know from you guys listening in i hope you're in, enjoying uh listening in uh to this conversation because it isn't a private conversation this is teacher talk radio we are live uh from london and we are looking forward to hearing uh, your views this is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Yes, so this is The Twilight Show with me, Seb Ventura, and we are discussing how much you can teach your subject out of your specialism. What is your degree in? What did you know about? And what other subjects have you been asked to teach? Get in touch through the Podbean app, send me a message, or just press call in. Lovely to speak to you. Join the conversation. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. So, yes, yeah, so we're looking at... Um... We're looking at this topic today of how you can teach out of your subject area. And my key question to everyone is, does it just mean more planning? So Tara there was very good at explaining how she uses, she has to put more time in. And I would concur with that. I know from teaching out of my subject area that it was more planning. But if those plans are done for you or the schemes are given to you by someone else, is that then all it's about? Is it just about taking those and delivering? Or does it mean that you have to put a little bit more time and effort into your lessons? We know teachers are busy. We know teachers are tired. We know time is an absolute premium. And most people will say that they would rather have more time than any other um, perk in their job as teachers. So 
if you're going to ask someone to teach out of subject, I think leaders uh, have to be very aware of this. Um, and I would say any SLT listening in, you need to be aware because it's very easy to be selfish and think, right, well, it's not really being selfish because you, you're putting the kids first and you're thinking, right, we, we want, let's let, let's take Tara's example. You know, she, there's some students that want to do BTEC Health and Social Care. There's no one really able to do it. She's happy to do it. She's got some knowledge in that area, but she's happy to do it. But it's realising that by asking her to do that, and this actually, this goes back to someone else that I've, I've been working with in the last year, who I'm not going to mention names, but she uh, was an art teacher. Well, she is an art teacher. and I'm not going to say her name. Uh, and she was asked at the beginning of this year to teach uh, food technology. Now, you may think that's a bit random, uh, but that is because uh, at this school, uh, food technology came under design technology and all of that was in the same faculty under the arts. So uh, visual arts. So she she was an art teacher and was asked, would she step in? Now, at first, she didn't mind. At first, she knew she had to because there wasn't many hours left and she didn't mind doing a, a few hours of it. But the skills needed to teach cookery are very, very different to art. And in fact, you know, if she'd been an amazing cook herself, she might have found it a bit easier. But she admitted, she said, I'm, I'm not great in the kitchen. I don't really know much about certain things. There was a whole raft of health and safety issues to do, to do with the ovens, to do with, you know, all that kind of stuff that she didn't feel confident with. But ultimately, she put the time in and she put the effort in and she went away and she read the spec and she found out what they needed to do at GCSE, this was. And eventually she built her confidence up and she got some some of the uh, staff who were um, the, the tech staff that were around, the technicians uh, that were there that were paid to help uh, with the kitchen areas, got them involved um, and got some TAs involved and basically produced some brilliant stuff. And I actually went in at the end of the year, uh, saw her doing some year 10 lessons the food they produced was great. It was really nice. We did like a master chef kind of thing and we all tasted it. And I actually said to her at the end, you know what? You, you've, you're a victim of your own success because you've moaned about it. Like Tara that we just spoke to, you moaned about it. You didn't want to do it because it was extra work, but actually you're good at it. And you have actually produced some great work from these kids. And she admitted it and she said, yeah, it's been stressful because she's had to do more work. She's had to do more planning outside of her comfort zone but she's helped the school she's helped those kids and they've then not had to have a cover teacher or supply teachers or miss out because they've managed that head teacher managed to put somebody in there that could do a job even though it wasn't her specialism but i just think as leaders we need to really be aware of the extra time and the extra effort that it takes to plan lessons out of your subject area because naturally people don't have the confidence like myself when I taught media yes I felt confident in media because I love films and I love you know television and love you know I, I've grown up without those media so I don't have a problem uh talking about art house or analyzing sci-fi films I was loving it I really was enjoying it but it's not just about that it's not just about your general knowledge you need to know what they are being required to do in the exam and that's where it gets tricky because if you especially if you're teaching key stage four or five you can't just go along with oh i've got a bit of knowledge about this you've got to know what they're getting assessed on 
And so all I'm trying to, I'm, I'm not trying to t- teach people to suck eggs here, but I just think as leaders, we need to be aware um, that if, if, and as a teacher, if you're asked to teach outside your subject, like Tara, that's great. And she's super enthusiastic and I'm sure her school love her for it. But just remember the impact on your well-being, the impact on planning, the time it's going to take you addition, additionally to what you now do as a subject teacher and just factor that in um, into your week and try not to keep the eye off, to take your eye off the ball with your own subject or um, with your own welfare at home if you're you're spending too long having to gen up on subjects that aren't your specialism. So we're going to have a quick news break. Uh, and when we get back, we'll see what your final thoughts are on this uh, interesting topic. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.withaslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Imagine a world where you were free to focus on sparking curiosity in your students and giving them access to the awe and wonder of learning. A world where you were supported to deliver a truly personalised education to help all your learners achieve their potential. No need to imagine it, because that's exactly what the Oxford Smart Curriculum Service delivers. Seamlessly integrating curriculum, resources, assessment, next steps and professional development, every component of Oxford Smart is connected and working to provide you with a uniquely coherent and responsive service that empowers you and your students with transformational effect. The Oxford Smart Curriculum Service. When everything connects, anything is possible. SteveWoods.co.uk for educational support in IT and computer science. Coming up, I'm delivering a number of courses. Learn to program in Python is a free one-hour course designed to start you on your way into Python coding. Everything works in a browser, so there's nothing to install beforehand. Join me remotely to learn the basics on Wednesday the 8th of June, 4 o'clock to 5 o'clock. Visit SteveWoods.co.uk to start your journey. Are you a state school teacher in England? Why not be a hero this half-term and join me for two days and receive up to 1,360 pounds in bursary terms and conditions apply find out more at stevewoods.co.uk here at Witherslack Group, we are celebrating the launch of our new Luxborough Court School in Chickwell, Essex, with a very special one-day autism conference titled Enabling Inspirational Education. Taking place on Wednesday the 29th of June from 10am at Luxborough Court School, our event is dedicated to providing practical advice to education professionals working with neurodiverse children and young people. The event is free to attend and presentations on the day will focus on creating cultures of aspiration and excellence, supporting the emotional well-being of pupils, autism-friendly classrooms and managing challenging behaviour. So, whether you're looking to add to your extensive understanding or are new to SEN and wanting to build your knowledge, our conference will offer an amazing opportunity to engage with experts and network with colleagues from across the sector. Don't miss your chance to claim your free ticket 
ticket and we hope you can join us for what's sure to be a fantastic day. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash events to register or contact events at withaslackgroup.co.uk for more information. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. The Mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, has called for all pupils in primary schools to receive free school meals. He wants an urgent expansion of the scheme to include all students in years 3, 4 and 5, regardless of household income. He said, free school meals were something my family relied upon and every child in London deserves that safety net. With the summer holidays on the horizon, it is essential that the government act now to reinstate the meal voucher system to give families dignity and nutritional choice over the summer. This should then be followed by the introduction of universal free school meals for all primary school children from the start of the new school year in September. Multiple London councils are already leading the way on this and showing what can be done if we put the health and well-being of our young people first in such perilous economic times. It is time for the government to step up. Official figures show that inflation reached 9% in April as the cost of food, energy and transport surges and is expected to reach 11% later this year. Polling by YouGov found that 83% of adults in London say their household cost of living has increased over the last six months. The NAS UWT Teachers Union is calling for a 12% pay increase for teachers this year and has said it will ballot members in England, Wales and Scotland for industrial action if its demands are not met. Dr Patrick Roach, NAS UWT General Secretary, said Teachers are suffering, not only from the cost of living crisis, which the whole country is grappling with, but 12 years of real terms pay cuts, which has left a 20% shortfall in the value of their salaries. If the government and the pay review body reject a positive programme of restorative pay awards for teachers, then we will be asking our members whether they're prepared to take national industrial action in response. The government wrongly assumed teachers would simply stand by as they erode pay and strip our education system to the bone. But this weekend, thousands of teachers from every corner of the UK joined together to demonstrate our strength, unity and determination to stand up and to fight back. Our message is clear and has now been delivered directly to the government on their doorstep. We will not allow cuts to our members' pay and attacks on their pensions. If a pay rise is not awarded, it will be won by our members in workplaces through industrial action. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn.
This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, in this week's Two Minute Tech, we're going to look at how smart is a smart pen. Smart pens and notebooks are a bit of tech that make your handwritten notes become more useful and more importantly, digitally accessible. There are three main technologies used, app-based, image capture-based and real-time capture. Today is a look at the thinking process you can apply when looking at a new gadget. Obviously, the first decision I always make is not going to be considered. That being, is it a gadget? Yes, then I need it. Throughout this, the trusty spreadsheet will assist to calculate cost. Going as cheap as possible, I found a diary and 10 pens delivered for $5.99. So that is my baseline. If I wanted an academic planner, the baseline would obviously increase. So, what's the next cheapest but digital option? I found a reusable wipe clean diary. This is a few different formats, but a decent one I saw was a calendar template on one side and a line template on the other. Both were wipe clean. You downloaded an app on your phone to take a picture. The app recognized the diary entries and the handwriting and then converted it to digital. There's a lot of different makes on the market, so do compare and read reviews. A guide price would be around 40 pounds and a quick calculation in my spreadsheet says it would take six years to match the cost of a cheap diary. My question there is, will it last that long? Also, at this point, it is worth noting that there are free apps out there that let you do the same with your ordinary diary. So really, the cheapest way to go digital is to use a free app and take a picture of what you already have. If you still want a new gadget, your decision may depend on if you feel a big lump of plastic is more environmentally friendly or you prefer the features of the capture app that's being used over a free one. The final technology is real-time note-taking. Now, when I saw this, I instantly needed one. Then I remembered I type everything or use voice capture for meetings, so I'd never use it. However, that is not a reason not to want one. This more expensive tech uses a special pen and notebook and communicates in real time with an app so you can see what you're writing on screen as well as in the book. Also, like the others, it will recognize handwriting and convert to digital characters to allow pasting into other applications. At £110 for a notepad, the pen and the app, it isn't cheap, taking 18 years to break even and with the cheapest replacement notebook costing £16 as well, this will actually never break even. In conclusion, I recommend you stick to your diary and find an app you like to capture it. Or, if you have a laptop with touchscreen, you probably can do all of this anyway. For me, smart pens are not that smart when it comes to price. You do get what you pay for, though. Do you have a smart pen? Why not get in touch at TT Radio 2022 and follow us and tell us what you want to know about tech? I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Yep, so thanks to Steve there. Um, I must admit those two-minute techs are great. I've learned a lot from Steve over the last few months of those tech ones. But that one today sent me a little bit over the edge. I'm not really sure. Uh, I mean, I, I do like a Google Calendar. I do like to put stuff on my phone so I've got organized. And I've got my Google Calendar, obviously, which syncs with uh, uh, my computer, with my Chromebook. So at least what I like about that is I can put things in. And like everybody... It then obviously updates everywhere. But in terms of to-do lists, I still miss the pen and paper. Uh, I might make a list on my phone sometimes, but ultimately, the having the teacher planner, having the diary, it's, you know, it's something physical and tangible, isn't it? I don't know. I guess what he's saying is you can write it and then it, you take a photo and it up, puts all your notes into thing. But I don't know. It feels like, feels like a bit of an extra thing to worry about, you know, for me. I think keeping my notebook and a diary, and a pen together is, is a mission as it is, um, let alone then trying to sync all that. I, I am trying to move away from pen and paper as much as possible. I'm trying to constantly 
uh, type straight onto my laptop or straight onto my phone and then update it from that. But we'll see how it goes next year. But I think with a teacher's planner, you can put your registers in there, can't you? And it just gives you, it just gives you everything in one place. Anyway, that's my response to that. And then in response to the news, I mean, I don't want to get too political because we always say we're open to all opinions on Teacher Talk Radio, which we are. We're completely open to everybody's point of view and the diversity, of course. However, I think that the uh, 20%, I couldn't believe it when I saw that, although it makes sense over the last, you know, however long it is, 20% pay cut effectively. And I've been teaching a long time. So that's that's a lot of money to lose um, slowly but surely that's been eroded. Um, and we've had freezes, which I know they've now unfreezing it, but I'm frozen it. But actually, we're only getting three percent, so it's a bit of a, a smack in the face for me. So I don't know about the actual union action. I don't want to particularly agree or disagree with that. Whether you should strike or not strike, that's not my place to say. Uh, but I do think it is it is getting a bit ridiculous now. Twenty percent is is a lot. And then the other thing is the school meals, and I've just seen online tonight. Uh, that Wales have officially announced that they are giving free school meals to every child in primary school. Yes, every child. That's what I said. Uh, so this is not a PP thing. This is every single kid in Wales in primary school gets free school meals, which I think is absolutely right. Um, I mean, uh, uh, the summer vouchers thing is a bit more complicated. But again, uh, certainly for, for those vulnerable students, they should be getting access to food over the summer. Um, and I think that's just a good shout. Why not make school meals? You know, I don't understand why kids have got to pay over the odds for, for school dinners. I don't understand. Anyway, that's my little political response uh, to the news. Um, if you do want to call in, we still have about 10 minutes left. You are able to do that just by clicking call in on the pod beam. Uh, we are talking about teachers who teach subjects other than what they trained in. So this may not apply if you're a primary teacher necessarily, but again, get in touch. Uh, if you are a primary teacher, talk about the challenges of teaching topics that you know nothing about. Uh, how much planning is necessary? How much extra work does this put onto staff? Um, how easy, in fact, is it to adapt your teaching uh, to fill in those subject knowledge gaps? So we're comparing myself, who's been teaching for 20 years, uh, with Tara, who we spoke to earlier, who has only been teaching a year because she's just about to go into her second year of ECT. So technically two with her training. But anyway, so she's very, very at the beginning and she's happy to adapt. She's happy to learn to go away and extra plan and extra plan and extra plan out of her subject because she realises that's what she's got to do, which is great. But how difficult is it to to fill in those gaps uh, for subjects you don't know? But of course, the argument is I would expect that I would hope that I'm more confident in the classroom than I was when I first started teaching and I'm able to, I've got much more strategies, many more strategies and ideas for how to deliver lessons and my quality of instruction and questioning and all of those things will be far, far superior to what they used to be. But does that help me if I then have to teach something tomorrow uh, that I know nothing about? And I think uh, I would echo what Tara said, if it was maths or science, forget it. But I think if it was English, humanities, um, potentially practical more practical subjects I could do them uh, although art I wouldn't have a clue because art is actually really difficult um, and certainly uh, there are other subject areas I mean are we just we're just amazing aren't we let's just pat ourselves on the back teachers are amazing people we we literally take all of the knowledge that is out there and we try and dilute it down and get it into little heads 
and try and help a group of students understand one tiny bit of one granular part of a topic, which is part of a massive, massive, bigger thing. So that's hard enough to do, excuse me, that's hard enough to do with your own subject, let alone trying to do that with something else. And then trying to work out what the pure essence of that lesson is about is very, very difficult. So I, I would challenge anyone out there who's listening to, to talk to me about this. And, you know, how much how much success can you get from a, a progress can you get from a group of kids with a topic that you don't know much about? And is it enough, as Matara and myself said earlier, to be able to just stay one step ahead of the kids? I'll give you an example. Drama teacher, been teaching it a long time. But let's say tomorrow I had to teach a text or a play or a playwright that I wasn't familiar with. And that is perfectly possible. I'm I'm a drama specialist. That does not mean I know every single playwright. Far from it. I certainly haven't read every play there is. Or that would have been crazy for me to even admit it. I've not even read every Shakespeare play. So um, let's say tomorrow I had to teach a, a play or a playwright that I didn't know and I wasn't familiar with. As long as I stay ahead of it, as long as I stay ahead of the kids to an extent, I can get away with it. So, for example, I would probably read the play in the holidays or whenever I'm planning the scheme. So I already know the play. They they will have never seen it. Uh, and that will obviously build on my existing schema. And this is the difference. And it will build on my existing schema that I have of that genre. Um, I might have some contextual information about the time the play was written. So it's easier for me to take all of that new knowledge. Whereas the students are taking this as a brand new play. Potentially, they've never ever seen anything like it. They've never read that play right. They don't know the genre. They don't know the context. So for them, they are way, way, way behind um, myself. And so we should be able to deliver that even to year 13. Um, and this is why, again, it goes back to the topic we were talking about earlier about should you have a degree to teach or not? And uh, somebody put on Twitter earlier something about somebody said, if you say, oh, I, uh, t kids learn more. What was it the guy said? He, something like um, kids kids learn more than I do. Um, kids teach me more than I teach them or something. And this guy just said, that's absolute rubbish. If that's happening, you're not a very good teacher. Uh, I also have to shout out to, let me find this guy's name. Uh, yeah, this guy on Twitter at Prof, Prof, no, MFL. And he said, and I'm just going to end the show on this, which is a great point, is that he teaches French, okay? But his degree is in history and he has got a master's degree in English, but he teaches French. And his point, uh, that is at Prof Prof MFL, his point was that actually it enables him, those degrees and those that, that level of study, even though they're nothing to do with French necessarily, those two things and that subject knowledge and that level of study helps enriches his teaching, makes him a better teacher. He doesn't go into reasons why, he doesn't explain why, but um, I think we can we can understand what he's basically saying. So you might not agree with it, but uh, as I said earlier, a lot of our um, listeners, a lot of our people who are sponsors on Twitter, so over 70% said that they think teachers should have a degree to teach. Um, and that probably links in with what we've been saying. Um, however, I think the, the concluding point from today's show is that with a little extra planning and a little bit more time, really, most of us should be able to teach 
anything to a point. And as Tara said, and I would agree again with this, that actually the younger they are, the less subject knowledge really is is a crux of the problem uh, because you're dealing with more behaviour management, classroom management, structures, routines. And as they get older and older and older, then obviously that can become more tricky if you don't have the subject knowledge. But again, this is very opinionated, so you may disagree. Um, okay, so that's been today's show. Hope you enjoyed it. If you're listening back on the podcast, thank you very much. Uh, try and join us live next time. We'll be back in two weeks at the same time. Uh, Rebecca will be doing this slot next uh, Monday at six. I will be back two weeks after that, which I think is the 4th of July. Um, and we will be, uh, I'm not sure of the topic yet, but we'll be coming back to discuss different things then. Uh, if you are listening on the podcast, that's great. Of course, you can always do that. I'm not angry with you, but we'd love to have you live with us. We'd love to have you interacting. Uh, so keep us on your phone. And keep following Teacher Talk Radio on Twitter at TT Radio 2022 uh, to keep on top of um, host announcement announcements, exciting news, uh, other things that are coming up. Uh, we actually have a Teacher Talk Radio party, which is happening in Manchester in a couple of weeks' time. And I think uh, there are tickets available for um, listeners if they want to come and join the party as well. I think it's a limited amount. Uh, it's in Manchester. Um, but check out the Twitter and you will see... Uh, information about that party which is in Manchester in a couple of weeks time and we are very excited about that um, because we were supposed to have one when the show had been going for a year uh, but that pesky Covid obviously got in the way so this has been long 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 overdue and hopefully lots of the hosts and guests and and people will be there uh, from the show uh, from the last year and a half etc that we've been running for uh, and thank you to all our Twitter followers, uh, our 12,000 of those as well. So have a lovely evening. There's a little bit of sunshine left here in London. I'm going to go and stretch my legs, uh, get a bit of fresh air, a bit of vitamin D um, before I settle down for the evening um, in front of some sort of Netflix program um, with a glass of Fino, probably. All right. Have a great evening, everyone. And I'll speak to you all in a couple of weeks time. Take care. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.